Good afternoon, City of Toronto. Good afternoon, wherever you may be listening to the show, Southern Ontario, Canada, around the world, either either on our TSN Go app, online, or via podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Toronto Today. I am Matthew Cos right here on TSN 1050. And yes, I go with good afternoon, because once 11 a.m. hits, we are no longer in the morning. The Price is Right is on, and you can order a drink at a bar. So for me, the morning is now over, and please do not tweet me with the what about mimosas for brunch clauses. We're not talking about the weekend, we're talking about the weekday. It was sort of an interesting weekend in sports because there's a lot of, there's a lot of fascinating stories. There's no one big piece of news. There is, with the Blue Jays, some hope for the future with Lord Lourdes Gurel Jr. There is some future there because he's a young guy. But then he gets hurt. And it's not like it's a devastating injury, but it's a bit of a pain in the ass because he represents someone young who we could actually maybe envision one day being a part of a winning team with the Blue Jays. So that happens. That is a little piece of news. You have... You know, the, the the Jays and what they did against the White Sox, big picture doesn't mean a lot. You've got more and more young baseball players and their offensive tweets. You can deem them as racist. You can deem them homophobic. We'll get into that. Sean Newcomb from the Braves. Trey Turner, great shortstop from the Nationals. And that all, remember, with Josh Hader with the Brewers. So there's that. Now the conversation's coming out about Roberto Osuna. He can pitch again for the Blue Jays on Sunday. A lot of thoughts on that as well. Trade deadline is Tuesday, and Bryce Harper conversation? We'll play for you a little bit later on. Interesting sound from both Steve Phillips and from Gord Ash, both from the morning show. They bring up the name Bryce Harper. That's exciting. I mean, before, it was all going to be about Chris Archer. Oh, good. What are the Rays going to do? A team that no one cares about. It feels like Chris Archer... We've been talking about him being traded in the America among people that follow the American League East for as long as we've been talking about Josh Donaldson. I mean, really, the biggest news, <laughs> excuse me, in this area, getting choked up, is all about Vlad Guerrero Jr. And I'm glad the Jays did what they did. Said, hey, Vlad, we're going to bring you up to the Buffalo Bisons. We're going to let you see what it's like with the AAA team. But after you go to Cooperstown, be with your dad. Vlad Guerrero Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. And a great move by the Jays. Just go, be with your dad, soak it up. Come Tuesday, you'll be at Coca-Cola Field in Buffalo. And good for the Bisons, by the way. Because they are opening up the field earlier than usual on Tuesday at 4 p.m. So ticket holders can watch Vlad Guerrero Jr. take batting practice. But I'm really glad that he got to be with his dad. Because getting the Hall of Fame in baseball harder than any of the other sports. And we know this. And just listen to the names. All the names out there you know. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Trevor Hoffman, Jim Tomey, Chipper Jones, Jack Morris, Alan Trammell. I bet Alan Trammell is the one name that maybe the guys behind the glass don't know who that is. Because they're young. Yeah, they, they, we were having a conversation earlier about the horrible song, Smoke on the Water, and no one knew who Deep Purple was. It was very depressing. And another reminder that I'm 43 and I'm working with guys that are like 15 years younger than me. 
But with the Hall of Fame, this was the first year since 1971 when six players were inducted. I mean, the NHL, they'll put six in every year. They'll find a way. They'll find a way to get that done. Six players. And the first time since 1955 when all six players being inducted were, in fact, alive. So good for Vlad Guerrero Jr. Congratulations to be able to go and watch your pappy get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I have a lot of thoughts on the NFL, on the agent for Earl Thomas, the Seattle Seahawks safety who is going to be, who is holding out. He's upset. He's early in his new contract, but he wants more money. And the agent is uh, some disingenuous tweets that I want to yell and scream about, and I will in a little bit in the show. But let's start with the most interesting piece of sound. And that is Milan Lucic, a guy that we all love to hate. We love to hate him because on the ice, man, is he hateable. And then he goes over to Edmonton, gets that big deal, and we all knew it was going to fail, and it, it has been. But Lucic, he did something we rarely see. He did athlete-on-athlete crime. We never hear that. We never see that in this business. Every player loves every player. Every player is every player's boy, and everyone's friends, and they all know each other, and they all share the same agents. Well, Milan Lucic been listening to everything going on with DeMar DeRozan, and DeMar DeRozan being upset by that trade to the Spurs, feeling disrespected, feeling he should have been told, feeling he's been lied to. DeMar DeRozan was honest about his feelings. Well, some fans didn't like it, say, suck it up, you get paid a lot of money, deal with it. Let's listen to what Milan Lucic had to say. Going back to the DeRozan thing, when I hear him talk about like the bitterness and the, and the disrespect and all that type of stuff, it's like, you didn't get traded to freaking Cleveland. You got traded to San Antonio, that's a team that competes for a title every single year. Like, and you get to be coached by the Bill Belichick of basketball with Greg Popovich, and and now you're being feel like you're being disrespected. Like, come on, man! You're still making thirty million dollars a year living in San Antonio with no state tax. Like, give me a break, man! Nobody feels bad for you. Like, f- off. I mean, he nailed the ending on that, didn't he? I mean, first off, players all the time lament their lot in life, lament that they're you know just bought and sold. Well, here's Lucic actually sounding more like a fan. My first thought is, if I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I'm, maybe they're the ones who are the most angry. Because that's where he starts off by, well, at least you didn't go to Cleveland. Maybe if you're a Cleveland fan, you should be really pissed off at what Lucic had to say. But I listen to that clip, and my first thought is, he sounds bitter. He sounds jealous or upset about what NBA players make. He didn't need to throw out the $30 million that DeMar DeRozan makes. And now, I understand why he does, because in this conversation, we often use money to get rid of any thoughts of empathy when it comes to feeling bad for players. Average NHL player, and I just looked this up. The numbers might be skewed by a couple years, I apologize. $2.4 million. In basketball... I've seen 6.4, I've seen 7.8, but needless to say, basketball players get a ton more money. I mean, what's when Connor McDavid signed his deal, he's around $12 million. $12 million. So he's making 
slightly more than Jonas Valanciunas? No, I think Jonas might even make more. He's making slightly more than Norm Powell. Norm Powell makes $10 million a year, and the only thing you remember about Norm Powell is doing god-awful commercials. Had a bad year. And Norm Powell is making almost as much as Connor McDavid. So when I hear Lucic and I hear that clip, I'm just like, I, I, I hear a bitter guy. I hear a guy going, wait a minute. We play 82 games. Our game is more violent. Our game is more dangerous. Our game is more physical. And yet we don't get anything close. And my message to Lucic is learn to shoot a three-pointer. Because it's not about danger, it is about revenue generation. And the NBA generates so much more money than the NHL. It's just life. And, you know, Lucic, you make more than than a CFL player. But you sound a little bit bitter in that clip. Calm down, Lucic. Stick to your sport. And it's not that DeMar DeRozan is still complaining about it. He was asked... He was honest. Man, I prefer that. I think a lot of you guys listening out there, you prefer that as well. Your athlete is honest. Now, sometimes they'll say something that gets you upset, but at the same point, you appreciate the honesty. Now, that's a little bit different than Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry has been interviewed. Um, He was part of USA Basketball in Las Vegas. Some training camp stuff. Just getting ready for the next Olympics, the next qualifiers, all that kind of stuff. And Dave Feschuk from the Toronto Star was asking Kyle Lowry about Kawhi Leonard. And before we play this, I'm going to warn you in advance. Kyle Lowry sounds a lot like Kyle Lowry. That's somewhere between playful, childish, and petulant. Have a listen. Have you spoken to him since the deal with Ron I probably talk. I did, yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know if you spoke? No. What do you mean? I don't know if I spoke to him. Are you not sure? No, I'm not sure. No. He's not here, so I haven't spoken to him. On the phone, I mean. I haven't spoken to him, no. You haven't spoken to him? No. Okay. People could read you not want to talk about the trade as though you're not happy with the trade. Would that be inaccurate? <laughs> USAB is the fun, man. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> What's that? Good one. What do you mean, this guy? Good one. He's, I mean, I mean Feshik's doing his job. And here's the thing. What I don't appreciate is you're being disingenuous. Now, listen, Kyle, I'm going to give you a mile of rope on this. Okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because this is hard for you. You know, you were good friends with DeMar DeRozan, and now he's gone. But deep down as a competitor, you have to be happy. At least for this coming year. Because Kawhi Leonard, if healthy... And by the way, if we started a, if we put like a big, you know, pot where every time anyone on air said with Kawhi Leonard, if they said if healthy and we threw in a loony, I mean, you know, that would be a hell of a charity. You would raise millions of dollars. But a healthy Kawhi Leonard represents a better chance for Kyle Lowry to go deeper in the playoffs. So that has to satiate, that has to soothe the competitive fires within Kyle Lowry. So in that sense, I'm sure you're happy about it, but you're being disingenuous. You know, you're, just, you're, you're playing with Feshuk. And part of me just thinks it's funny. But it's, it's the part at the very end, really, like this guy. Because all Feshuk's doing is, is connecting the dots. How you feeling? He was your friend. He's gone. Kawhi's here. What's going on? 
And Lowry, it's more important. People care more about what you have to say than anyone else on the team. You're the de facto leader. You know, you are part of that core, and so much of that core is gone. Dwayne Casey, gone. DeMar DeRozan, gone. I mean, really, the core left from when the Raptors started to put it together, that five-year stretch where they averaged about 52 wins, it was Lowry, DeRozan, it was Dwayne Casey, and it was Valanchunas. And no one's going to Valanchunas. We don't even know where he is. No one's going to Valanchunas for quotes. They want to know how you feel because you represent the team so much more. And also, you're the point guard. You're supposed to be the leader of the team. I'm not going to yell and scream, ah, I should have said more, I should have done this, should have done that. But that was Kyle Lowry at Kyle at doing his best, just being disingenuous. And a little bit later, I'm going to go off on the agent for Earl Thomas of the Seattle Seahawks because he was being incredibly, incredibly disingenuous about the relationship that fans have with their team and rooting for players versus rooting for owners. Now, we'll get to that in a bit. Now, I also want to talk about all these Major League Baseball players, these three guys and tweets that have resurfaced from when they were seniors in high school. And we'll do that in a little bit. But to Technical Bruiser Steve, I want to have a little fun because last night was the Bruce Willis comedy roast. And I told producer Joe Narsa, hey man, let's record on this and we'll play the best clips. We can't really play the best clips because they're really dirty. And the stuff that isn't the best stuff, that's clean, it's just not that good. It's, it's not good enough for radio. But there was one controversial part. And this was near the end when Bruce Willis got to speak. And by the way, putting a sports context on this, I'm worried for Dennis Rodman. He looked out of sorts. He looked confused. He looked sad. I don't know if the guys behind the glass, if you saw it or saw the highlights of Dennis Rodman. But whenever any of the comedians were making fun of him, he just hit his hangdog look on his face. He was pouting. And then when he got up there, he looked uncomfortable, and none of his jokes were funny. I don't know why they had him there. I don't know why he agreed to it. He was horrible. The only one worse actually probably was Bruce Willis. And I recommend everyone go check it out on the Comedy Network, part of CTV. Um, Do not watch it with small children. If you are easily offended, do not watch it. But it's one thing I like is that it still has one of the vestiges of just where comedy could be dangerous. And where you could say, you can say some things, you can get away with some stuff, and it's allowed. Certainly a lot more than what these 18-year-old dummy players in baseball I'm not comparing the two because we'll get to what they've done and just the negativity there. And there's plenty. But I want you to listen because Bruce Willis said one thing that pissed me the bleep off. This was near the end of his speech. Now, please listen very carefully. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie. (laughs) Yeah, Bruce, shut up. Shut up right now. Now, I don't care if you were going in for the laugh. I don't care if you were trying to make it out that, oh, look at me, I'm narcissistic movie star. You do not tread on Die Hard. 
Let's go around the room. I'm going to be disappointed with these answers. I bet they haven't even seen it. Technical producer Steve, Die Hard, Christmas movie or not? 100% Christmas movie. Okay, good. We're on a good start. Producer Joe, Die Hard, Christmas movie. Never watched it. Get off the mic. Tristan Fitzpatrick, Die Hard, Christmas movie. Christmas Eve, Nagatomi Tower. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas movie. There we go. All right, let's just... Joe, get on the mic again for a quick... How have you never... How old are you, Joe? 27. How have you not seen Die Hard? I don't know. It's never... Uh. I don't know. I've never really been interested in it. It sounds really cool, but... Oh, oh so you're not a movie guy? No, I am a oh, movie guy. Oh, no, no, you're guy. not a movie it's a good, it's a really good movie. It's not just an action movie. It's a good movie. So when someone says they're not interested in it, I assume they're not a movie. And that's fine. There's only 24 hours in a day. Listen, you can't I'm be in a everything. Bruce Willis enthusiast. I watch Look Who's Talking and Look Who's <laughs> Talking 2 and Look Who's Talking Now. So I care this about is the worse. work this man does. This is worse. You've seen those movies. You've seen him as a talking baby with Kirstie Alley, and you have not seen the Nagataki Tower. Yes, exactly. I, I know that he is in the vents, and he is trying to stop somebody from doing something bad, and that is the extent of which I know about this movie. All right. Come... Coming up on the other side, I'm going to try my best not to continue to yell at my producer. I'm going to explain why Bruce or why Bruce Willis is wrong that Die Hard is in fact a Christmas movie, and we'll hear sound from Steve Phillips reacting to the let's face it, uh, homophobic and racist tweets from a bunch of major leaguers before they were major leaguers. I got a lot of thoughts on this. If you think it's going to be just let's take the easy let's take the easy approach and just shame these players and call them bigots, that's not what's going to happen because there's a lot here to unpackage on this issue. So I want to get into that also on the potential of Lourdes Gurel Jr. and just what he can represent for the Blue Jays. That's all coming up on Toronto Today right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back to TSN 1050. This is Toronto Today. I'm Matthew Cause. Be with you at 1 o'clock. Be with you for the whole week. This is going to be a fun week in sports because there's just enough mix of things going on to keep us satiated but it's also still a slow enough period where we can sort of, you know, just uh, dive out a little bit from the world of sports to other things that are going on that are important. Um, we finished the last block by talking about Bruce Willis. Uh, let's play the Bruce Willis clip. He was, there was a ro- comedy roast last night for him. And uh, you'll be able to see it on the Comedy Network, Comedy Channel. Uh, they'll replay it a bunch. It's hilarious. I fully recommend it. But the most controversial point of the night, no, it was not the really offensive jokes about Robin Williams that I got to tell you I was not expecting but it was in fact Bruce Willis explaining or just here's his hot take on Die Hard now please listen very carefully Die Hard is not a Christmas movie it's a Bruce Willis movie all right here's the uh Here's the simple explanation. It is a Christmas movie, and this is not some sort of, ah, let's, uh, let's turn this around and make it something different. Ah, let's just do this for a novelty. The movie takes place at Christmas. The movie starts with a, uh, when Bruce Willis is in the limo with Argyle, 
What music do they play? They play Christmas music by Run DMC. Bruce Willis, his character John McClane, is going to a Christmas party at the Nagataki Tower. Why is he going there? To visit his sort of wife, Holly. He's trying to visit her and the kids at Christmas. Why is the entire building empty? Because everyone's gone home for Christmas break. And the only people there are the people that company celebrating having their Christmas party. Then when he kills one of the terrorists, put him down in the elevator, go and you know send them down to send a message to Hans Gruber and his crew. It says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. How does the movie end? How does the movie end? It ends with another Christmas song. It is a Christmas movie. Producer Joe, you were whispering in my ear. What were you yammering about? That's Professor Snape, right? The guy, Hans guy? It's Alan Rickman. It's Hans Gruber. Get off the mic. Get off the mic right now. Okay, before we get to all the Lourdes Guriel uh, clips that I want to talk about, um, we're thinking of a new game, which is when we get our producer, Joe, to explain iconic movies he hasn't seen. Die Hard's the greatest action movie ever. It's one of the best movies ever made. Well, here is our producer, Joe, explaining Die Hard. I know that he is in the vents, and he is trying to stop somebody from doing something bad, and that is the extent of which I know about this movie. First off, shout out to our update guy, Tristan Fitzpatrick, who said we need to get Joe to explain movies he hasn't seen because that was horrible. That was horrible by you. Have you seen Star Wars, Joe? Yes, I have. So, you, oh, it's a story about a farmer whose aunt and uncle dies and now he goes and flies in a ship. Yeah, a story about a farmer who gets a talking frog to tell him to kill his dad. Get off the mic. Why do I keep inviting you on? Um, one of the biggest stories locally in fall with the Blue Jays is really not about wins and losses. And Marco Estrada, he's going to pitch today against Oakland. And that's a big deal. He hasn't made a start since July 3rd. And when you've got a weekend where you've got John Axford starting on Saturday, and it's quote-unquote a bullpen game, where it's just a whole bunch of relievers. Unfortunately, on Saturday, they needed seven relievers as they blew that game. And then you've got the rookie on Sunday pitching in his hometown against the White Sox. You know, when you hear these feel-good stories, it's also a reminder of just how bad the Jays' rotation is. Aaron Sanchez, we haven't seen him since June 22nd. Marco, uh, as we said, Estrada's been out since July 3rd. Marcus Stroman has been up and down, and the bigger stories involves him freaking out. But the one good story, Lourdes Gurel Jr., got his 11th game in a row, multi-hit game. Had three more hits on Saturday. Only seven players have done this since the start of the 20th century. Baseball goes back a long ways. He's hitting fantastic right now in terms of his season, and obviously even better uh, since the 11-game hit streak. And my main point is that he's 24 years old. He's the only position player we have, we have we, that we've out there that is a chance for us as fans to be excited about. He's the only guy out there that we can watch and go, oh, maybe this guy could represent part of the future. Maybe he's a guy where if things go right, 
and a lot has to go right, that the Jays will be a legitimate playoff contender three to four years. Listen, it took Houston a long time. I don't need to tell you how long it took the Cubs. But that's what he represents. And here's Steve Phillips, former general manager, baseball insider. You hear him all the time on Landsberg in the morning. Just talking a little bit about Gerald Jr. coming from just a great family. It's pretty amazing the, the run he's been on. Uh, you know, he's got a few homers, a few doubles, a lot of singles mixed in there. Uh, but that sort of approach, like I have such respect for guys that can do that. Look, this kid comes from a family, and, and this is where it comes into play. A great baseball family. His brother obviously played for the Astros. His father was a star, a superstar, a legend uh, in Cuba. Uh, and, you know, so that sort of understanding of the game, the mental part of the game, dealing with failure is such an important, critical part of it all. Uh, this kid is is putting it up. Yeah. Here's Gord Ash before more of my thoughts. Gord Ash, former Jays GM, also joining the program, and his thoughts on what are the greatest strengths of this young hitter for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think he's a he's a great addition to the club. Uh, it was big news when they signed him a couple of years ago out of Cuba. His brother's a, a pretty good player for the for the Astros, so it's in it's in the genes. Uh, um, I think one of his greatest strengths is he's got some versatility to him, and that's so important in baseball uh, today. The ability to play a number of different positions. So uh, I think that uh, you're right. He's not going to he's not going to continue with multiple hit games, but this guy's got a lot of ability. Uh, Unfortunate injury at the end of yesterday's game, but uh, hopefully he's not out too long. And that's, I mean, that's the only, I mean, that was the big bummer on the weekend was the injury. His final hit, he tried to advance to second on a throw home, throw was cut off, went to second base. Gurel attempted to avoid the tag, instead twisted his leg awkwardly. Um, We'll know more as the day goes on in terms of how long he is going to be out for. And it stinks because that's a guy. You can go and watch him every night. And, you know, he's not a guy being traded. I mean, so many players, you wonder who's going to be gone. And the thing is, most of the guys that are going to get traded, you're not going to get much for them. They're not going to move the needle. You know, it's like, oh, Marco Estrada pitches uh, tonight. What if he pitches really well against Oakland? Could that be a piece that another team, you know, takes, takes a bite on? One other team look at Estrada and go, oh, okay, he's pitched well in the playoffs in the past for the Blue Jays. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. If he puts up seven, eight really good innings, maybe he goes. You're only going to get so much for him. So that's why watching Gorel Jr. is fun because you can envision a future with him in it. Now, the other name out there is Roberto Osuna. As we know, Osuna will be available to pitch on Sunday. He's had a couple stints with the Bisons, the Buffalo Bisons. I think he's pitched twice. He's, a, he's pitched two innings. So the question is, will a team take a chance on him? And you know what the answer to that is? Yeah, they will. And I hate to be cynical here. As long as there's no video, as long as there is no Ray Rice video, absolutely there'll be a chance you see Osuna getting traded. Remember, remember Alotis Chapman when he got traded from the Yankees to the Cubs. He was a guy that, remember the domestic violence episode that he had in 2015, fired eight gunshots into a garage wall after an argument with his girlfriend. Now, eventually he was not charged, or eventually, sorry, he wasn't um, 
he wasn't uh, formally convicted of anything. But he did serve a 30-game suspension by Major League Baseball. And the Cubs, the fans, if you remember, they had a bit of a difficult relationship. Some fans did, but they still found a way to cheer for Chapman. They found a way to cheer for his 105-mile-per-hour fastball, and he helped the Cubs win the World Series. So if a team, a desperate team, was able to embrace Chapman, you can assume the same thing for Asuna. Now, Asuna, 75 games. We don't know all the evidence. Obviously, something must have happened, or else Major League Baseball is not throwing 75 games unless they have some pretty damning evidence. But as long as there is not a video... There will be, I, I think there's a chance. I go, Suna is the one name you could see. Now, if Osuna stays, if he doesn't get traded, personally, I'm fine if I don't see Roberto Osuna pitch for the Blue Jays this year. Now, maybe part of that is me being convenient because he's not going to have any impact. The Jays aren't in the wild card hunt. Hopefully, where this comes from for me is more from a morality standpoint. And yes, I know we don't know if he did it. I know it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But I'd be fine if he stayed down with the Bisons. So we'll have to see. That is coming up on Sunday. Now, Gord Ash also spoke about Roberto Osuna. And again, this was from Gord Ash earlier on this morning, talking about there would be some suitors out there. It'll be a very select few, but, uh, you know, baseball uh, has a long history of, of players with second chances. And, uh, you know, as, as I said earlier, if, if it's a club with some, some courage and, and some moxie, uh, this is this is a chance. There's no question it's a big chance, but it has the most upside to it. So I, I think it's possible. possible. And if you're the Blue Jays, um, what what do you say to your fan base on August fifth when he returns? I mean, how does that play out? It's it's going it's going to be a controversial situation, I believe. And is this is this a way out of that for them? Oh, it, it will be controversial. It always is controversial initially, but eventually it goes away. Um, I could go down the morality route and really make this. A, you know, we can really. Go down some dark paths, but let's lighten it up for a second. Uh, Producer Joe, how bad did I do in pronouncing Chapman's first name? Because I know I screwed it up. Uh, How bad did I do it? It's not the worst because you called Lourdes Goriel Gourel. And this is actually a quote from Mark Rowe. Uh, You're a disgrace for how you pronounced Goriel. And he said, please quote me on that. Really? Yes. He also wanted me to let you know mm-hmm. that you can't talk to me like that because Die Hard isn't the Godfather, and that you also mispronounced uh, the rookie pitcher Ryan Barucki's last name. I didn't say his name. I didn't say his first or last name. Yeah, That's where Rowe oh, is no, wrong. No, sorry. He said because you didn't know the name of the pitcher. No, no, no. I have it right here in front of me in my script, and Mark Rowe has seen my scripts. They are very intensive, but I just... Uh, I, I chickened out on saying Baroque's yes. uh, last name. Yeah, verbatim, he said right after he ripped you, you yeah. clearly he clearly didn't know the name of the rookie pitcher for the Blue Jays. Yeah, that's right. Baroque got the start on Sunday. It wasn't bad. Um, but again, a forgettable weekend about wins or losses. Is, can you get Roe on the line? 
Yeah, I can. Okay. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to do Sound Wars, and then Mark Rowe, I will allow him to shame me because there was a couple bad pronunciations. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Lourdes Guriel Jr., I'm going to have to get that name right. And uh, it was like with Edwin Encarnacion. That name took me ages to get. So we'll take a break, and then we'll get Mark Rowe on. Plus, we're going to do Sound Wars. Plus, we got a lot of stuff to get into. The hypocrisy of NFL agents and young Major League Baseball players and the horrible things they write on their social media feeds. That's all coming up right here on TSN 1050. You're listening to Toronto Today. All right, this song here is an inside joke. We were having a conversation. By the way, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Toronto Today. I'm here on TSN 1050. I'm Matthew Cause, filling in all this week. One of the producers here was humming that song, Smoke on the Water, by Deep Purple. I hate that song. I don't, I, I'm sorry for people who love it, but I'm a 43-year-old dude who's been lucky enough to be able to go to cottages, cottages his entire life. Do you know how many times I hear that song? That song and Brown-Eyed Girl by Van Morrison are trash. I want both those songs shot to the moon. So suddenly, the producer is humming that, and now it's getting stuck in my head. And the producer, I think it was Sean, was saying, I'd rather, I'd rather that than a Christmas song. And no, I would much rather have a Christmas song even on July 30th, even on this gorgeous Monday, July 30th. And by the way, Sunday as well. That day finished off really nice, at least here in downtown Toronto. Um, I'd much rather have a Christmas song than that trash. And I'm sorry for people who love that song, but I'm sure, at the very least, you might not like that, or you might like that song. And you might disagree with me, but at the very least, can we be on the same page that song? there are songs that you listen to that are popular, and then eventually you hear them so often you just hate them? For me, Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple is the worst. And even the worse than that, that producer... By the way, do you guys know how old is producer Sean? You got, you got a rough idea of his age? Which one, Levine or Lavery? Lavery. Ooh, I think he's like 24 or 25. Yeah. So he's the one that was humming that song, got stuck in my head, and he doesn't even know who Team Purple is. He's from Purple. Calgary. He doesn't they don't even have know. new music in Calgary. That is true. There is a wall around the yes. city. They just the got the Backstreet Boys like last year. Lucky. Suddenly. <laughs> I just have this image now of, 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 of all the Calgary Flames, of, you know, just going out there and just partying to that. There's Bo Levi Mitchell going, Have you guys heard this Backstreet Boys? It's great. All right. Let's get to Sound Wars. The greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. Yeah! Oh, that's right. We've been doing it for the last couple of weeks. It's our March Madness style tournament where you get to decide the winners. We take the best sound from the year, and all you've got to do is go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your favorite. And by the way, again, I'm going to speak on behalf of both me and Carlo Koliakovo. The fact that the Alexander Ovechkin clip that you heard at the end, the fact that that got eliminated, A, shows you this is not rigged, and B, shows you no one has any idea what's going on. That is a travesty. That is a bleeping travesty that that one is not there. All right, we are now moving on. This is the Sweet 16 Sound Wars battle. 
conference. It is the Oh My Goodness Conference. First up, it is the four seed. Oh, from the NFL playoffs, it's the Minneapolis Miracle. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God, oh my God! All right, I want to, uh, producer Joe, do we knock down a point or two? Because I love that clip. But he said Minnesota Miracle twice. It felt like, hey, I came up with this very easy alliteration. I'm going to double down on it. I want to take a point off for that. You definitely can because it's also a rip because in the Mighty Ducks, Gordon Bombay is the Minnesota Miracle Man. So it's already been established what is the miracle. And it was winning a peewee hockey tournament in the nine-year-old division in Minnesota in the 80s. Am I uh, am I a bad person that I'm just angry at you every time that you give insightful, intelligent movie references, and yet you haven't seen Die Hard? Like I'm just, I just I just get more and more mad at you, Joe. I'm not. I am a movie person. It's just like one of the only movies that I haven't seen that people tell me to watch. I, I apologize for that. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to look who's talking. For Bruce is back for more cash. I think is the title. All right. Let's hear now. Seed number seven. The Marlies win the Calder Cup. Ben Smith across the line takes the eight. Fifteen into the city. Taking care of business. Ben Smith makes it five-one on your feet. Recall. Okay, can we play the last five seconds of that? In, 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 take your time, take your time. Um, I think I would vote for that one just for the passion, but then at the very end, he kind of repeated himself and, and said this is the call to come Listen, I, I'm only being nitpicky because we're down to the Sweet 16. We're getting down to the Elite. And, of course, far be it for me to question other broadcasters considering... I've already mispronounced Lourdes Gurriel's junior's name. I've already mispronounced that. Uh, I mispronounced uh, Cubs and Yankees reliever, you know, Chapman's first name. And now I, I'm just, I, I'm that scared to even say it, to say Aroldis Chapman. There, it's simple, Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis. Aroldis, damn it. So far be it for me to criticize other broadcasters when I've just, I've made a mockery of this business today, but listen to the last part of that fantastic call. This is the Calder Cup! This is your Calder Cup! Still, I would vote for that. Okay, I don't want to play favorites. I don't want to push you in one direction or another. But that's probably where I would go. Now, a reminder. When you want to vote, you just go to tsn1050.ca Click on Sound Wars and vote for your favorite, Minneapolis Miracle or Marley's Win the Calder Cup. Voting for the Sound War, it closes at 3 p.m. So listen to Overdrive later today for the results and for the start of a new Sweet 16 Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050.
I'm doing well in terms of just like I don't ever want to say Oraldis Chapman's name again. I just, I just, I want, and by the way, I'm sure a lot of people are fine with that. And the only reason we brought it up is the trade deadline for baseball is tomorrow, and one name that got mentioned was Roberto Osuna, and with that name goes, of course, all the attention about domestic abuse, suspended for 75 games. Would a team take on that that baggage? And my answer to that is yes. Unless there is a video. And it's a shame that it needs a video to sway your opinion. Because, I mean, I understand why when you see it visually, it changes things. But I don't think we should need to have that. But a video comes out, like the one with Ray Rice. If we don't see that, then Osuna gets traded. Or, I'm sorry, I should say there's a better chance he would get traded. Because the Cubs did that deal for Chapman. With the Yankees, and the Cubs fans found a way to go over it. Like, what you heard stories was, one female fan, what she did is she donated a couple dollars, I think it might have even been $10, for every save that Chapman made to a charity that deals with domestic abuse. So it was her way of being able to cheer on the entire team that included Chapman and at least feel a little bit better about it. So there is ways for fan bases to get around it. So I expect that to happen. Let's stick with the theme of just baseball players doing bad things. Sean Newcomb, we heard this story, almost had a no-hitter. Then soon after that, tweets came out, or people found tweets when he was a senior in high school. One tweet included a racial epithet. There, that was part of a rap lyric. There were several others that contained gay slurs. Then Trey Turner, excellent young infielder for the Nationals. Same thing. When he was 18, people found tweets, gay slurs, anti-gay comments, and a joke with racist undertones. And uh, my producer Joe has sent me sent me them over. What uh, Trey Turner some of the tweets, and what Sean Newcomb did. And these tweets go back to 2012. And they go back to 2011. i got a bunch of thoughts on this. First, in terms of punishment. The public shaming that will come with this is almost punishment enough. Because that's now going to follow them. And that's going to follow them wherever they go. And your name, who you are, that's a big part. Uh, I mean, your identity I mean, that's valuable. Just think of, think how much it would hurt, anyone listening, if, if you walked into a room and 8%, 12% of the room goes, oh yeah, there's that guy or girl that tweeted out bigoted things or homophobic things when they were 18 years old. That is a punishment. On the other side, I don't like the habit that we're seeing now of combing through every player's Twitter accounts from when they were a different person. I am a different person now at 43 than what I was at 35, eight years ago. And damn sure, the jump that you take from 17 or 18 to 25, that one is huge. Some of these tweets, we don't know. Were they in the context of what other people were saying? By the way, I'm not justifying. I'm explaining Rap lyrics, well, I mean, that's a different ball of wax. Now, there's one, there's one, I'm looking at some of the, uh, some of the tweets. There's some here where, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's definitely homophobic. And that's a different story. But I don't like the fact that you are taking what someone did as a teenager and putting that on them as a professional. 
The main thing that I didn't like out of all this, though, was Josh Hader from the Brewers. Because that guy sent out one tweet that said, I hate gay people. And at any age, that makes no sense to me. But Josh Hader, the worst part was the Milwaukee Brewers fans, his home fans, they gave him a standing ovation. That was the worst part of all of this. Even worse than the offensive tweets. What were those fans doing? Now, thankfully, there is a balancing to all of this. There is the public shaming. Because what happened when Josh Hader went to San Francisco? He was booed. Good. If you're going to get cheered by your home crowd... And I get it, part of what you're doing is going, hey, you know, you're apologizing, you're trying to be a better person, and and maybe some people were cheering because, like, ah, screw you, media, what are you doing creating this controversy? And then there were some people that were just cheering because they're bigots. So I hated the standing ovation. The bigger picture, though, is you hear all these people saying, ah, what are the teams doing? What are the agents doing? They need to go through the fine-tooth comb, and they need to find these offensive tweets, and they need to get rid of them. I don't think that's the focus. The big-picture focus is you have to ask yourself this question. What kind of environment did Sean Newcomb, Trey Turner, Josh Hader, what kind of environment did they live in where they felt so comfortable putting this out on social media? There's one thing when you say a joke to your one or two friends when it's just you guys together, and maybe the context, you understand each other. But then there's something else. When you put it out for the world to see, hell, I'd rather these tweets be out there. I want to know, you know, I want to know who feels what about what. I will not look at these guys and say, oh, these guys are bigots. I will look at these guys and say, they did stupid things. I will look at them, especially Josh Hader, and say, you did a racist act. You can do a racist act without being a racist. And I know there's pitfalls of me talking about this, 43-year-old white dude. I'm trying to look at this from all angles and just trying to put some perspective. Not all the perspective, just the one that I can provide. Speaking of perspective, Steve Phillips, former general manager. Obvious question that Michael Landsberg and Lindsey Hamilton this morning asked Steve's thoughts on everything going on with these baseball players and their social media feeds. I don't think that necessarily some kid saying some stupid thing when he's 17 completely indicts his character and personality for the rest of his life. I don't believe that. I think kids do and say stupid things. But... Number, you know, one, I think we've got to do a better job of getting people to understand that don't say stupid stuff because you're around your buddies and somebody says something stupid and you jump in and everybody plays this game. The other thing is, where are these players' agents? Like, mm-hmm. where, where, why are the every agent has a, a social media person? Why are they not going back? It's not hard. There are all kinds of, of, of uh, programs out there. You can go to delete tweets. And there are groups and programs you can pay to do it. It's get it done because this is this is ridiculous that we have to keep going through this. It is ridiculous. But if I was the agent and I really cared about the player, before I said let's get rid of these tweets, I'd sit the player down and go, "Hey, I'm not saying you're a bad person, but explain to me why the 18 year old version of you thought it was okay to tweet this." And again, try to do it, have this conversation. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not saying you're a bad person. But let's learn from this. And why? What was going on in your life? What was going on in your environment? 
All right, Producer Joe, have we located Mark Rowe, who was uh, judging and shaming, rightfully, some of my horrible pronunciations of Lourdes Guriel Jr.? Yes, we have. He'll be joining us at 12 o'clock. So Producer Joe needs host Matt to go to break to get to Mark Rowe. All right. Don't you tell me what to do. How about this? Okay, before we go to break, here is Producer Joe and his explanation of what Die Hard was. This was from earlier in the show. We were talking about the roast of Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis said that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. That freaks out out a lot of us. And then Joe, who says he loves movies, who has seen Look Who's Talking 1, 2, and 3, here's him describing Die Hard. I know that he is in the vents, and he is trying to stop somebody from doing something bad, and that is the extent of which I know about this movie. Wow, that was not only a wild oversimplification, but you sounded really dumb when you said it. Uh, Mark Rowe is going to be joining us next to make fun of me, to chat Die Hard and other... uh, We'll get into a couple baseball thoughts with him as well. That's coming up next right here on TSN 1050.